Hey, BC. Uh, could you hand me that hydro spanner, please? Yeah, you got it. What, what do you need it for? Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> crank a PBDO on the side of the head oh. with it and see if it'll wake up. Man, he has been out of commission for a while. He's going to be pretty mad. He's a little dusty. He's very yeah. dusty, yeah. We just kind of left him in the corner for, I don't know, like 30 episodes. And uh, and so we're, we're bringing him back now? Well, let's see if it works. All right. Uh... Hey, Phoebedia, are you alive? Whoa, whoa. I don't think we can use that kind of language on the podcast. <laughs> Look, Phoebedia, don't worry. You're going to feel great because, boy, oh, boy, are you going to be excited. We have a guest coming over in about 40 seconds, and we need to clean out the entire cargo bay. That's what you're here for, buddy. <laughs> don't worry. We won't let it happen to you again, man. We love you, Phoebedia. Yeah, you'll, you'll be featured in every episode going forward. You're a crucial part of this crew. Beep, beep. Now get to work. We got a guest. Open the cargo bay doors, P-Beads. Hello there, and welcome to the Cargo Bay, a Star Wars conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. I am Brady C. here with my co-host... Adam B. How's it going, BC? It's going. I, I'm, I'm glad we got PBD to, to dust off the old cargo bay. It was looking a little rough. But uh, we got it nice and tidy in here as we needed to, BC, because today is a very special day. We have a guest in the cargo bay. <gasps> oh my goodness, one of those rare special guest episodes. So, all y'all out there, give a nice warm welcome to our friend Jacob from Normies Like Us, the podcast, uh, where it's hip to be square, if I'm correct. Hello. <laughs> it is. It is hip to be square. How are you, Jacob? Welcome. Great. Thanks for having me. Your cargo bay looks very clean. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here. And it definitely wasn't done last minute. This was planned long in advance. No. So, you know, we roll out the red looks carpet like for it. our guests. Well, uh, Jacob, I'm I'm pretty familiar with your um, you know, uh, your take on the Star Wars universe. Uh, but for our yeah. audience who may not yet be familiar with you, could could you give us a little bit of background about kind of how you feel about Star Wars as a whole? <laughs> yeah, um, Star Wars. You know, I like Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> it's it's good. Um, <laughs> What did you want to know, like, specifically? Yeah, like, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite movie in our, our uh, what do you call a nonology? Do we have a word mm. for that? I know we have quadrilogy. A nonology? I think nonology is correct. All right, yeah. What's yeah, your favorite yeah. film in the, the nonology? Well, you know, I like, I mean, the original trilogy is pretty good. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's a pretty good movie. Um and I do like, you know, I'm I'm kind of up and down with the the sequel trilogy. Uh, I'm a big fan of episode eight or episode yeah episode eight, The Last Jedi, uh-huh. like that movie. Um, and but you know what, I wasn't a fan of episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. That's that hot is too uh, ta- too that take is too hot for the cargo bay. Oh oh uh, yeah, somehow Palpatine returned. that's right uh you know didn't love that movie but uh you know i i do like uh last jedi i liked rogue one all right and i like that you know mandalorian is a good show andor is a great show and i'm excited to talk about that today yeah you heard it you heard it here folks we're gonna be covering episodes eight through ten of andor today um, which I'm going to call the prison arc. I imagine that's what I think that's the what it's going to be referred is gonna, to. Is going to be a perfect name for these three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's pretty in line with uh, you know our Star Wars tastes over here. Um, I'm a little bit of a contrarian with nine because I like things that are messy. Um, yeah. But well, you you famously like things where all of the Sith are embodied by one person and all of the Jedi are embodied by another person and they have a big fight at the end. So. Yeah, 
And my yeah. favorite thing, I, I think my favorite thing in Star Wars might be a thousand Star Destroyers. <laughs> right. it, it doesn't get much better than that. You're absolutely right. Uh, been, I, I mean, in fact, it, do, should we even bother talking about the writing in Andor after <laughs> the genius that was the Rise of no. Skywalker? I I was listening to the the Thrawn uh, series uh, again recently, and Thrawn is like always trying to convince Palpatine to not build the Death Star. <laughs> He's like, that's not very wise tactically to spend all your because Thrawn is here to you know buddy up with the Empire to protect the universe from some outside you know unknown threat. Uh, and so he's like, man, this really isn't good battle tactics. And then to imagine the emperor doing it, beefing it, and then building it again, and then being like, Thrawn was right. I need all the weapons on mobile star to destroy it. <laughs> also, it kind of begs the question, like, it takes them so long to make the Death Star, right? But then they have a thousand star destroyers who was building the those? prison arc baby from? that's my theory <laughs> kino mm, Loy is down there be. snoking it up making sure that the, all, those of those, first order all of those all of those all of those cloaked palpatines in the arena were also um engineers for the thousand star right. destroyers <laughs> makes sense Ob- it's obvious yeah really when you think about it yeah, that's why they're not getting out. They got to get fitted for their Sith cloaks to go cheer mm-hmm. in the uh, the Exegol Arena. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about uh, these these episodes. Uh, but I guess first, actually, uh, Jacob, I would like to get your temperature on Andor in general uh, before we dive in. Yeah, um, Andor. You know, I I really like this show. I've been I've been enjoying it a lot. And I wasn't even that hot on, on like Rogue One. Like I thought it was fine, but it's not my favorite. Uh, you know, not even my favorite Disney Star Wars movie. Um, but Andor, man, this show is just so good, and uh, I'm loving it. You know, it's yeah, it's been kind of a shock. Um, I I I did like Rogue One. I, I've mm-hmm. been kind of lukewarm on it, but I think really it's mostly about CGI Tarkin. Uh, that really <laughs> bothered me when I first saw it. Um, and Leia, at the yeah, end. Rough. yeah, it's a it's a bummer. Um, but but as a whole, um, I like it pretty well. But I also like this show more than I liked uh, Rogue One. Uh, I'm I mean we're getting, we we can talk about this show, which we're going to. But yeah, this like this these three episodes. I'm like, is this my like is this rival original trilogy Star Wars is how is like how high I am on this right now? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. <clears throat> well, I think it's uh, it's making me reevaluate Rogue One, where I want to rewatch it and see if it kind of holds up to that same level. But uh, yeah, with this show, it's like every episode I'm kind of expecting it to like fall off yes. or like not be as good, yep. but it's actually getting better. Like I thought that the heist arc was great, and now the prison arc is like even better. So. Yeah. It's it was shocking to me like when when we got the Aldani arc and was like oh my goodness that's so great and I like I had mentally prepared myself was like all right we're gonna go to prison like okay I mean we got the Aldani stuff prison will be fine and then the first prison episode came out and I was like never mind we are gonna be great this is <laughs> amazing like I I don't know why I had doubted that to begin with just like I feel like maybe some of the D plus shows have let me down uh, recently. But but yeah. this show has just continually stepped it up every every episode that I'm I'm just like kind of baffled at this point with the quality. Totally, well, that totally. Just bring, I did want to ask you guys. You know, there's they're shooting season two right now, and basically yeah. they're doing it in these like they're making separate movies from basically yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. for these like each block of episodes is going to cover another year. Um, there are more directors involved, more writers involved. Um, so I am I am slightly worried that season two isn't quite gonna hit as hard as season one. I think that's a possibility, uh, but I don't know. Just want to get y'all's take on that. Uh, if you have any any nerves yeah, I think that's, about uh, that, definitely a possibility. But uh, I never expected Andor to be this good. You know, when the trailer came yeah. out, I was like super on board because like this trailer yeah, looks great. I was the same same journey here where I I, yeah. I saw it at the the convention. I was just like, man, why are we doing Andor? And then I was like, whoa, this looks like weird. Yeah. <laughs> and when they announced, it, I was like, Andor, like who cares about that character? Like why why are you making a show around him? 
turns out I was wrong because this show is like way better than the Boba Fett and the Obi-Wan shows, which are characters that I was more interested in, you know, seeing a show around. Mm -hmm. But it's just weird that this show is so much better to me. I mean, it. I think I'd speak so much to the creators behind this. I think like the the fact that Tony Gilroy, because he was hesitant to come back to Star Wars and, until essentially he was able to be like, if I'm going to do it, this is what I'm going to do. And then they're like, okay, you can do that. And he's got this entire complex, beautiful, complicated Star Wars world that, frankly, Boba Fett and Obi-Wan are just like, this is like a plastic sheen and we're shooting it in the volume. And it's like, Disney! It's a Disney (laughs) show! Look at us! We're Disney and Mickey Mouse! Ewan McGregor having to carry that with reaction shots. Yeah. (laughs) And then Andor's like, "Uh, we want to speak about crushing people's souls with imperial power and what it means to to start an actual rebellion and the toll that it takes on the human soul. And then Obi-Wan and Boba Fett shows are like, Disney! And it's like, <laughs> they're two completely different things. It's there's They stand in such stark contrast to one another that it's like, Andor was such a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh, this is what those other things, that's what I wanted out of Obi-Wan. That's what I wanted out of Boba Fett. And they just weren't totally. that. But with, I don't know, at this point, I'm, you know, bringing back to your original question, like, I don't, I'm not going to be worried about season two. It's the yeah, Tony Gilroy's, got he's got his finger on the pulse. He's, I think he's, I think it's going to be great. Like, I don't know. I, I've just, I doubted this show after the first arc. I doubted it after the second arc. After this, I'm like, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. I'm, every, I'm excited every week to sit down and watch the episode. It almost feels yeah. like it's a secret we've got to keep from Disney. It's like, hey, like they don't know, know that this is against show? them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, right. When it started to circulate on Twitter, the like comparison between the prison and the Disney Star Wars hotel, like looking exactly the same. Oh. I was like, shh, guys, keep it down. <laughs> no, it does feel like they're like sneaking <laughs> things into the show that it's like Disney approved all this. It's very, you know. It's it's almost subversive that it, it is sneaking all this like real life political stuff yeah. into the show. Hey, I'll, I'll give them credit. You know, the the mouse is a scary megacorp, um, but you know th- they do respond to to some uh, progressive pressure, and also that they let this happen is cool. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm glad we're getting this Star Wars out of Disney. Didn't think we would, um, but. Speaking of the the Empire crushing people's souls, should we get right into episode eight of Andor? I think we should. Uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, do a quick. This is a episode recap from Wikipedia. So shout nice. out Wikipedia for this. <laughs> uh, this is going to get us into our larger conversation about what we uh, favorite scene, favorite element of of each episode. Uh, so we've got Cassian is brought to prison on Narkina 5 where he spends every day working in a monotonous heavy industry with hundreds of other prisoners. Vel and Cinta travel to Ferrix to search for him. Uh, when Marva falls ill, Bix attempts to contact Luthen to ask about Cassian's whereabouts, but Luthen, worried about being exposed to anyone monitoring communications, does not answer. He then leaves Coruscant to meet with Saw Guerrera. Always good to see Saw. Um, Rael attempts to hire Guerrera's rebel cell. Uh, I guess that's Luthen's first name. I never think about that. Um, Rael attempts to hire Guerrera's rebel cell to act as air support for a raid on an Imperial power station organized by Anto Krieger, but is turned away. Uh, Dejramiro questions Karn about his experiences on Ferrix, but declines his offer to help with her investigation. She leads a unit to Ferrix herself, uh, where she apprehends Bix. Uh, Spoiler alert for the next episode. That's not going to go well for Bix! (laughs) Um... I can I can I just jump in with what I yeah. loved about this? The introduction to the world of the prison I thought was like a masterclass in world building and how this should be done visually. Because the first thing, like seeing what this prison was, immediately I this is where I left all of that doubt that I had going into a prison yeah. arc, where it's like it's going to be some like dingy, grimy, rundown thing. They completely flipped it. There's there's an element of like freedom to the prison, obviously, where they're not in quote unquote cells, but they're bound by this electric floor sort of thing, uh, 
once I saw what they were doing, I was like, all right, we're fine. This is going to be amazing. Um, so I loved, <laughs> immediately loved the prison look. Um, I mean, it's got a lot of nods to, you know, other sci-fi um, visually. I mean, THX was like the first thing I think that came to mind yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, honor a little bit of heritage there. But just continuing my absolute love for the set design on this show, this was like, all right. I'm I'm sold on prison arc. They did it with with one episode. I'm in. Man, yeah, just him looking out the window out out at it when they're arriving. I was like, that is a terrifying structure. <laughs> like that is a yeah, that's really an upsetting thing to imagine uh, sitting in. Um, yeah, it's like it really shows the like ruthless efficiency of the empire that they have this like very sterile prison. And they don't even have to, like, you know, keep you in inhumane conditions or anything. They just can keep you in line just by this floor, yeah. this electric floor, right? And, uh, yeah, it's just really the way they set up the entrance and everything is, is it was great. I'm just going to feed you that goo tube. Yeah, you might even get some flavor or some taste. Mm, I want some flavor. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is perfect. Like, I don't know. It, the way that they pitch, the way that the, the oppression, I guess, is pitched is not is not what I was expecting. And the fact, like, the way that we're introduced to, um, was it Kino? Is that... Um, yeah, Kino Lloyd. Snoke's character. <laughs> Snoke in disguise, as we all know, am I right? Yeah, definitely um, right. <laughs> um, the way we're introduced to him is sort of like the foreman. Like, that sort of position and rank within a prison system was really uh, upsetting in that, like, <laughs> this guy is a prisoner, but is is seemingly, like pro empire because he wants his shift to do well like the entire system that they have where it's like your team needs to be performing otherwise we're gonna shock the shit out of them and and electrocute their feet um so you need to drive numbers up and he's like yeah i'm the guy for the job you're like that's super messed up but it it starts his arc for i mean i mean one of my favorite character arcs like tragic beautiful miniature character arcs in the history of star wars i i I don't know the the way that yeah, yeah, they a... the way that they situate how how the oppression works in the system of the prison. I thought was genius. Yeah, totally. The uh, yeah, just kind of like you know exposing uh, the the uh, prison industrial complex in that way. <laughs> like some of it, you know, some of that stuff can seem like some of the stuff in this arc is a little corny to me. Like there are moments. But it's supported by like such kind of a an actual examination of like, hey, by the way, this is how our empire works. <laughs> like um, that, it doesn't come off as corny as it could be, you know. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, uh, BC. Uh, Jacob, do you have a, a favorite scene from that that episode? Um. Mine was going to be, you know, pretty similar to uh, uh, Brady's. Um, the just the entrance to the prison, the explanation of the floors, and you know how they need minimal uh, sort of security or anything because the you know the the structure of the prison just keeps you in line naturally, and you just become this cog in the machine. And like you said, the THX, you know, eleven thirty-eight. Uh, homage kind of with the with the aesthetics is great and uh yeah it was just super interesting yeah i i I love being intro to that prison and then at the end of the episode feeling like we were only getting started i was you know like uh it's nice to have the time to to fully build out that that prison um what and it really shows you the scale too where it's like that's just one level of this prison there's like hundreds of people and then there's like other prisons where they send other you know, alien races or whatever to other prisons. So they just got like this whole prison industrial complex, like you said, where it's just like all these prisons and they're just keeping so many people, you know, locked up under the the boot of the empire. And like the subtlety of what they're doing, just even introducing the prison where we're like Cassian's immediately like casing the joint, like as is his, as is his way of being like, okay, I'm going to start intaking as much information because I got to get out of here. Right. Like you just see his gears start turning you see him noticing whenever they're passing through the, their like hallway, those level hallways where they're doing like the sign language yeah, that's what to I was the other mention. levels. I, I love, I love that setup. That like the, yeah. that sort of scope and scale is, I don't know. It's it's terrifying in the way that they they position the empire in this. I mean, it 
uh, this is part of, I think, a larger conversation, but the way the Empire's recontextualized and Andor makes it so much worse than I ever imagined it to be. Um, but seeing that hallway communicating with another hallway, knowing that there's several levels of this going on in this giant water prison, you're just kind of like, this seems awful. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. It was... It w- seeing, seeing how Cassian is also interacting with the environment, too, because Diego Luna... For as as great of an actor as he is, doesn't have a lot of lines in Andor. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. Yeah. Um, but it's the way he's reacting to everything, the way he's intaking the environments. You're just like, he's crushing it, and he doesn't have to have. Yeah. He doesn't have to have big monologues or anything, you know. Well, it's kind of the story of a guy that, like, at the beginning, really has no interest in joining a rebellion or anything like that. He's just looking out for himself, basically, and it just shows how you know, just living under the empire kind of beats you down to the point where like you have to join the rebellion because it's the only thing you can do now, because it's just like, you know, they're just throwing people in prison like crazy. It's like, you're just trying to live your life. Yeah. And, and that's what Luthen wants is for it to be so bad. You have to join the, join the, right. the rebellion. <laughs> you gotta love it. Or he's just like, this is exactly what we wanted. And you're like, Oh yeah. man. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I, I love getting um it's it's cathartic to me to see characters like Luthen and Saw uh, as a part of the revolution that is a rebellion because I mean it, you know uh classically in history uh it's people like that that actually yeah. start you know revolutions it's not right it's not like what's well, like you can't just uh, <laughs> yeah you can't just vote out fascism right you got to have the radicals <laughs> that are ready to you know start shit and like if some people you know get sacrificed to the greater cause that that's a price that they're willing to kind of pay and whether or not they're in the right you know that's up for for debate i guess morally but uh yeah this, that's how these things start i think you guys to... I, I just uh, let me, i think you both might want to check your history because historically all that you need <laughs> to stop the empire is a farm boy who can fly an x-wing and has the super duper force yeah who can, that's right. who can shoot a blaster through a hole the end <laughs> done yeah that's that's uh you know I, I like that nice clean rebellion too um with our our magic farm boy but this show lets our heroes have shades of gray because yeah. they the empire is black <laughs> you know they are they yeah. are in the pure darkness over there um which maybe leads into episode nine um but before we get there, I wanted to ask, is there anything... What's happening out of the prison in episode 8 BC? I feel like I'm missing something. I um, mean, you get... At the end, you you get the the big... The moment with Saw and Luthen, yeah. which is which is really nice, because you, you see the two of them playing their sort of like, I didn't do it, did you do it? I didn't do it, you did it? Um, so, I mean, that's fun. And, and, and seeing how those sort of early connections in the rebel cells are being made and... That it wasn't immediately yeah. like, hey, yeah, we're on the same team. Let's go do it. It, it was. I, Forrest I, Whitaker's really good in that scene because he 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 lays out like why he's not doing. He's like, there's people all over the place who don't understand what their role is. He is very clear about what his role is, yeah. and it is very much the revolutionary, like like Luthen, which is why he's hesitant to work with anybody else. He's like. I'm going to do this my way. And Luthen's and still trying to like, yeah. And Luthen's still trying to like manipulate those pieces to be like, we're going to need everyone to start working together eventually. If we're going to take this entire thing on, I thought it was a really good scene between the yeah. two. I mean, amazing actors. I'm going to, I'm going to, because I'm just going to make that my favorite scene. Um, so we can move on to episode nine um, of, of Andor, which yeah, this one started with a bang. <laughs> Uh, episode nine. Nobody's listening. Uh, a classic uh, episode. Uh, Miro and an imperial scientist named Doctor Gorst. I don't know where he got his MD from, but doesn't <laughs> seem like a reputable place. Uh, they torture Bix for information in one of the truly most horrific ways that I uh, have ever seen on screen. Well done, Disney. Uh, and they realize that uh, Cassian may have been involved in the Aldani attack. Uh, Miro fails to learn anything from Bix about Luthen. However, the ISB capture a rebel pilot who reveals a power station on Spellhouse is set to be raided. Mon reunites with Vel, her cousin. Surprise, everybody. Uh, that was fun. Uh, and encourages her to keep a low profile while maintaining a, faca- a facade of a rich and politically uninvolved young woman. Mon and Colma continue working to covertly gather funds for rebel activities. Meanwhile, an 
older member of Cassian's prison work crew named Olaf is euthanized uh, by a medic named Dr. Rashiv when he suffers a stroke and can no longer work effectively. Dr. Rashiv confirms to Cassian and floor manager Kino a disturbing rumor. A prisoner set to be released was instead sent to a work crew on a different level, forcing the prison to kill all the prisoners on that level to cover up the mistake. Cassian and Kino realize that the prison may never let them go, convincing Kino to join Cassian's scheme to escape. Ooh, what an episode! Yeah, this is this one. Uh, this one heated it up. It heated it up, BC. I think I, I think I told you, BC. I sat down late at night when this episode <laughs> yeah, came out. I had smoked a doobie. I was relaxing and um, was ready for some warm, feely Star Wars. Um, and I was just intoxicated enough for that the opening of this episode to really like mess me up. I was just like, "Oh, please don't play that sound for me." <laughs> I was like, Apparently, I they did. It. They did in the the sound design team yeah. made the sound, and then they're like, "We can't play that yeah, for like anybody." Warner Herzog and Grizzly Man. You, being you like, must never right. let anybody hear this. <laughs> It's, I just want to know like who came up with the the idea of a a a race of aliens that they're exterminating and it's like their final cries of you know as they're being as they're being wiped out and that's what they use to torture people with it's like who came up with that idea bet, like that's so twisted I am it's, sure that's like based twisted. on reality I would bet mm. that that is something you know, like it's a distortion of what the FBI or CIA. It's actually like a CIA tactic like, of some kind. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, you know, in Guantanamo and stuff, they play like heavy metal, like loud yeah. heavy metal to like you know, torture with people with sound and stuff. I I would imagine that Tony Gilroy read in some of his revolutionary research about someone being tortured with the sounds of like their dying family or whatever over and over. Oh sure, it, it just felt so fact- real. The fact that they they add the element of we've isolated the sound to that of the children of the alien race. I was like, we had gone okay. pretty far to that point, and then you're like, and but then we have also isolated the children. Like, okay, we get it. You are bad. Like the empire is bad. Yeah. Um, but that's such an empire thing that they would do, where they're like, how can we use as we're exterminating this race of aliens? How can we use their final cries? In you know, in another way to to torture people, it's just like they're efficient, baby. <laughs> yeah. This empire is efficient. I, it, this is also the episode, right, where they <laughs> they're like they're they're immediately like, okay, we're gonna kill the pilot, or the the ISB is like, okay, we're gonna kill the pilot. How do we cover it up? All that, and it was yeah. just like yeah. that tone shift where that happens, and there's no second guessing at all, like. <laughs> it's like yeah, wow. they're just oh, talking they about it, like they're, they're the CIA. I got it. Like great. Yeah, <laughs> I love really the ISB great. scenes yeah. so much because it really shows the Empire in a way that we've really never seen before. Where it's just like it's not Vader and Palpatine talking about stuff. It's just like middle manager people like you you know using real like info sec like kind of strategies and being like, all right, what do we know? Like how can we use this data and stuff to like you know further our and you know the further are uh the means you know uh yeah yeah they're <laughs> it's just crazy they're they're way more intimidating than vader is in any of the the fiction that i've read because vader is usually kind of stupid <laughs> in all of the fiction that i've read right and this is like this is exactly you know the kind of terror that exists in the real world are you know like oh wow there's smart people working behind doors to this to is screw it's, you. So, it's so much more menacing than in uh, anything we've ever, I think we've ever seen in Star Wars before, and it it yeah. just feels like it's getting worse. And and I, which you, you know, you're saying is is part of Luthen's plan, right? Is like, hey, we've got to make the oppression so bad that it's going to create the the resistance to uh, to the oppression that that everyone's going through. So it is. Uh, I don't know. It just is like it, it's not gonna get better. Which is, like, we've got two more episodes of this. And then the next season covers four years leading up to Rogue One, which is, like, things aren't going to get, like, suddenly shinier and brighter for for the Rebellion. I mean, they're going to yeah, start coming right. together. I mean, that's, obviously, it's, we're going to start seeing those factions as they form. But it's, like, the, the oppression that they're going to be fighting against seems like it's just going to be getting tighter and tighter. Right? Like, because, you know, part of the, you know... The idea of like the 
the breath being choked out of you is like I think that's introduced really early on in 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 the series as as like a major concept. I don't think that like empire crushing the breath is going to like there's not going to be a release at any point. It's just yeah. going to become stronger and stronger until the season 2 end which, you know, it's like Rogue One is essentially kind of like the finale of everything is what it seems like, but right. it's uh well it's, it's like going to be a fun uh, journey, you know, when you with the empire yeah, when you put a, a a frog in a pot of like boiling water, right, and you just slowly turn up the temperature, that's kind of the empire, right, where it's like they're slowly turning up the oppression, and Luthen's like, we need to, you know, really have something to kick off the rebellion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we need to turn the heat up. Dump some magma from the from the top on the frog. Um, Jacob, uh, before I might steal it, uh, what is your favorite scene in this episode, uh, if you have one? Um, this one, I really like the I like the ISB scenes in general. Like, it's just so interesting to see. Uh, you know, I meant to talk about this at up top a little bit, but the the writing in this show it really reminds me of uh, the show The Wire. Have you ever yeah. you guys ever seen that I've show? I've never at all? seen The Wire. You should watch it's The about, Wire. It's about you know. It's a really good show. You know, it's kind of known as like one of the best shows ever made or whatever, but yeah. it's one of my personal favorite shows. And it's it's about, you know, the drug uh, trade in Baltimore. And it shows kind of both sides where it shows the gangs and the drug trade and how that works. It also shows the police and how they're trying to stop them. And then it just goes into these systems where it expands out where you see City Hall and the politicians and how they kind of fit into everything. The school systems, the docks, like you see all these systems and how they work together. And this show really reminds me of that where you see not just the rebellion side of things, but you see what the ISB is doing. You see what Mon Mothma as the politician at the higher level is doing and how those kind of all come together. But the ISB stuff in this episode with uh, Deirdre is is just really interesting. And Karn, uh, Cyril Karn, right? Oh, man. Uh, oh, what a hero. He's, he's what a great. hero he is. <laughs> <laughs> little baby fascist uh just wants to help out the empire and i love the scenes with him and deirdre where he's like come on i just want to like you know i i'm i you know you're you, you're so like fascist like i love you i think <laughs> and she's just like really creeped out by him just like get away from me i just think that dynamic is super interesting uh one of the great star wars scenes in the history of star wars is when he professes his fascist incel love for her outside of her work <laughs> Uh, when yeah. she's going to the job, he's like, he's like stalking he's her. Like, right? I've been I've been hanging out here in hopes that I could see you again. I just think we really clicked uh, whenever we talked. She's like, that was an interrogation. We were interviewing you. <laughs> that wasn't a, a fun social engagement. He's like, I think I think we love each other, right? And you're just like, this dude is swinging wildly, and it's yeah. I, I, he is he's such a fascinating character to me to exist in Star Wars. Um, because he he's so I, I I can't even find the words for him, but like the the way that he was introduced as sort of this like low level idiot um, who had, was uh, you know was thinking of the own of his own glory without listening to his uh, amazing supervisor who saw things very clearly from the beginning. If he had just listened to him, we would have avoided a lot of this nonsense. Uh-huh. Um, but the way that he has doggedly pursued this thing, even in the face of his mother like telling him that he's an idiot and having to like, you know, eat his cereal quietly, and then the way he professes is like it's like he's just icky. He's just an icky yeah. character. But he do, the the actor is so good at it and commits to this thing so well. But it's like, oh yeah, I don't know where this guy exists in Star Wars, but wherever he's going seems like it's going to be really terrifying because he's got like right. he's got like serial killer vibes coming off of him. Oh yeah, he well, does he kill that clearly. Cereal. Like uh... he does <laughs> nailed that. By That's the true. way, thank loves you. The cereal. <laughs> um, he clearly like thinks that he's like should be he could be more important like to the empire and then they're not like seeing his like genius and it's just like frustrating him but he's is he like the first like incel that we've seen in the star wars universe he's he's an incel he's also got strong like gifted kid energy as in like gifted and talented placement like i got in these classes i took ap classes I am yeah. exceptional. Like, I am. someone told him he was special as a kid, am, and now he's yeah, just like a yeah. burnout loser. He's like, I want to 
be like I should be on the ISB. Like I'm as smart as you guys are. I'm I'm important to the Empire. And they're just like and Deirdre's just like totally like creeped out by him. And he keeps in like I think a worse written show would be like, Oh yeah, join us with the Empire, but this show is like the no, look, like the too look, weird for the, the look on her face when he's doing it is so, is so spot on. She's like, "What? What are you doing?" Like she's she's like, "You, this is a crazy person." I think I yeah, heard a lot of red flags. Yeah, I heard I heard the uh, one of the other comparisons. It was some other podcast. I forget who I'm stealing this from, but it's like it's it's like Todd Phillips Joker almost. Like he he is that level of like unhinged, and he, he is getting worse. I do hope um, that Uncle Harlow pays off at some point. Any, anyone oh, yeah. have any we, wild we Uncle see. Harlow theories about uh, about old Unky Harlow? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't. I, I wish he was like an Inquisitor. <laughs> like, turns out he's like top Inquisitor. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of shocked uh, to hear you guys because I do think, obviously, uh, an unwanted advance from from Cyril and a wild move. But you think that uh, Deirdre isn't into it at all, like because she, she might has be, no yeah. problem torturing people, and she's letting him get away with it. And we get that scene afterwards where she's like putting herself together, like in the office. I think there's mm. also maybe an element of like she's never had a a fascist lover boy before. Well, she's, she's never had a suitor quite as nice as uh, yeah. Mr. Karn. <laughs> it is even if it's you know unwanted, it is flattering in some way to her. At least that she furthered his career. You know, like she she right. hasn't and just his persistence in being like no, like I should be working with you. Like I'm super evil. You're super evil. I'm super <laughs> evil. Like let's be evil together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I am excited to see where where Cyril ends up. Um, I read some of Tony Gilroy saying like he's not he's not a fascist. He's just you know impressionable. He's just lost. He he you know you could point him in any direction. Well, that's how a lot of fascists are, yeah. are made. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, if you're a Nazi in Nazi Germany, and it's not like your your greatest like passion, but you're still furthering the machine, that makes you a fascist. Like yeah. that's right. Um, like he clearly thinks that. He should be doing something more important than this, like office job where he's just in his little cubicle with hundreds of other people. Right. Like he, he believes that he can help out the empire in more important ways. I don't know. I, I his his first three, the arc he has in the first three episodes yeah. is one of my favorites because it is just like what happens when an entitled prick goes off and is entitled. And it's like, oh, it's turns Twitter. out I, yeah, it's like, uh, turns out I ruined the entire sector. I lost, whatever security agency I was working for lost control. Now the empire is in charge here. I had a bad day at the office. What can I say, <laughs> fellas? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 fantastic again his arc and kino Loy's arc in these three episodes again i just want to say a lot of star wars fans talk about how incredible darth vader's arc is it's a cool arc it takes place over this massive you know epic saga i, I think that these two arcs are as powerful and more efficient and these two like pieces of of well-written you know um tv <laughs> i I, yeah, I do want to totally. shout out to kino Loy's. Uh, my my moment of this episode is is the end, which is yeah. which is the sick needle drop when he's just like when Cassian after they get the you know the download that yeah they killed everybody down there and he's been hesitant to give Cassian information and Cassian's like how many how many guards are on on each level and you get the never more than twelve bang end of episode you're like all right let's get yeah. to the next episode it like it. it Seeing, I mean, his arc is perfect. Going from factory foreman, I'm all in on this, to like, oh, well, they're going to kill us and we're never getting out. Maybe I'm not so in love with being in charge here anymore. We need to get snappy with this. His Andy Serkis' right. performance in this is uh, brilliant, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And his whole thing is like, oh, I only have like 260 days left or whatever. I'm going to get out of here soon. I just need to finish my sentence. Yeah. And you know, get out on good behavior or whatever. And then when he realizes that like, oh, they're not, we're not getting out. We're just going to get shuffled somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But he's great. And it's, you know, Andy Serkis, super underrated actor, I think, because he's always, you know, he's known as like the CGI guy. Right. Yeah. But, you know, when he's able to just act with no CGI, he's, he's just killing. He's it. got an interesting face. 
you know like yeah uh, he, he uses it well i i'm not like a huge andy circus fan um when he came in in the first episode though i was like oh, okay this is good casting and then my my scene is when they first hear in the hallway you know that they're getting the the message in, and he gets so nervous and freaks like, out. Hey, hey, everyone, stop, <laughs> yeah. stop, stop! We don't know, we don't know, we yeah. don't know, we don't know. <laughs> you could just see like the terror in in his Damn. face. Uh, I, w- I was I was mad. I was like, oh man, you're really good in this. It's <laughs> just like you're, yeah. you're doing really well. Um, and and maybe if we can bridge into our final episode, because I wanted to talk about his motivations. Um, you know, at some point I thought maybe he knew already that people weren't getting out, you know, he's in on it. He's a floor foreman. This is his job. He's, he's getting out of here because he thinks he's in a position of power. Um, so maybe he's grappling with that. And then also with our escape, we know that he's grappling with the fact that he can't swim. He's not, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a, a huge reveal at the end of this, Man. you know, 10th episode here. That's such a, a heartbreaking reveal. <laughs> Man. Uh, crushed me yeah and then casting and just getting kind of pushed off by the crowd as he's like what you can't swim yeah (laughs) i I want to know what happens to kino loy give me give me give me a a nineology of kino loy yeah there i did see an interview that (laughs) with tony gilroy came out recently it was like i don't know we're doing a second round of press i guess (laughs) it's like this is wild (laughs) we're getting it's we're looking for that long tail viewership um but he was like, you know, they asked if Kino Loy was immediately executed after this episode. And he was like, is he? I don't know. That's not how I imagine it. Um, mm. And Andy Serkis is already like, yeah, I'd love to do more Star Wars for me. Well, we need to see his uh, arc to see how he becomes Snoke. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's somewhere in the fifth or sixth film in the Ninology. Yeah. But yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna bridge that gap eventually. I would imagine. <laughs> I would prefer to never see Kino Loy again. Um at least not for a long time, just because it's so perfect as yeah. it is. And I think I mean, Star it's... Wars needs to do more of leaving it alone. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, yeah. The, the way it ended was heartbreaking and beautiful and paid off the character in, like, I don't know, uh, a beautiful and tragic way, which, like, let's just let that moment of art exist and we don't have to touch that again. And it's okay that Kino Loy can't swim. Yeah. Yeah, that's. And I think even if he can't swim, he should at least try, right? Jump and then like, like piggyback off of someone else, you yeah. know? I say dress up as a guard. You you were already basically a guard, maybe. Right. Maybe you like that life, that lifestyle. Yeah, and, uh, and then whenever they come, they be like, "They bonked me on the head really hard, and I was out, <laughs> so you can't really hold me accountable for the entire prison break thing." So. I, but again, I, that's in the ninology. That's a separate thing. It yeah. is it is heartbreaking, but it's also our, our action episode, our our you know finale of this three episode arc. Um, how did y'all feel about this this episode in general? Did it did it pay off for you? Uh, I thought this was one of the best episodes in the history of television. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jacob? Wow. Um, yeah, I re- I thought you know I was. It, it's maybe my favorite episode of the season just because it just pays off that whole prison arc. And uh, my favorite scene was going to be just the whole uh, prison break uh, and just the, the tenseness leading up to it where, where the men are all oh, yeah. like faced with the choice of like, Oh, we it's like, get out of here or die. Like it's, it's do or die now. Uh, and it's just so well, the way they set up uh, the whole scene and then, Kino and and Cassian going into the control room and that stuff what is really good. It's just room. Oh my mm. gosh. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so good. Great Star Wars room. And I love they're using those. So this is now a theme in Andor because we've had the stormtrooper rifles are basically the stormtrooper rifles in Episode Four, except the magazines are longer. Like is the biggest difference. And now we get those those blasters that are used by the rebels um, in Episode Four, except the magazines are super long. And I really like mm. I like these uh you know these old old looking guns with the giant magazines. Um, that was fun for me. Yeah. And I like the the loudspeaker microphone. It's like the you know the microphones in uh, you know the original when Han Solo is like, oh yeah, yeah, (laughs) how are you? (laughs) Yeah, we're fine, we're fine. Uh, How are you? (laughs) Yeah, I 
I I was actually a little disappointed by this episode the the first time I watched it. Um, I I think my my big problem was like I was really looking forward to them figuring out what they were gonna do once they got out of the initial room and how they were gonna coordinate with the other like you know the other cell blocks. And I found it a little bit unbelievable how everybody was just on board immediately. Like, yeah, we're going to do this, like, universally across the prison. And I thought the one-way-out chant was a little cheesy. <laughs> I'm not a big, oh. like, collective, like, yeah, one-way-out. But when I rewatched it, I out. did, like, I liked his speech um, better this time around. Especially understanding that when he's making that speech, he knows he's not making it out. Like, helped me. Find that a he little knows less that cheesy. the one way out is yeah. not his one way out. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it it just adds so much more weight to everything that he's doing. I mean, to sac- I mean, sacrifice. You know, like it's it's one of the probably the biggest theme of Rogue One is sacrifice for a bigger cause, right? Like you go into this like, well, these characters sure are cool. Don't get too attached. Um, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> um, but his sacrifice specifically. It, it 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 pays off beautifully and the the twist at the end that little like it's a yeah. knife twist by the writers where <laughs> yeah, yeah. he gets out he's seeing what freedom looks like and it just i can't swim and you're just like oh, oh <laughs> yeah come on come on don't worry it's yeah, only it's a giant deep ocean uh which that was <laughs> the other thing i was disappointed about is just like I wanted to imagine, and now I've seen in shots that there is a shoreline in the background, but I was yeah. imagining them on like a water planet, you know, right. like there's sure. no right. hope of escape in a traditional sense. And it was weird that just he and his buddy wind up, you know, on the shore. Melshi. Um, yeah. Melshi of Rogue One fame. <laughs> uh, but I got over it. Um, and even the, the the first time I watched the episode, though, um, I guess we didn't do a recap. This is the break, uh, the prison break. And the other two main things that happen are that that Luthen has a scene with our ISB spy at the end, and Mon Mothma has the scene with. Uh, and this is my favorite the scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This. The, uh, what I forget his name. The the uh, thug Davos Golden politician businessman. Yeah, Davos. This is just like Mon Mothma has been incredible through the whole show. Uh, mm-hmm. What's her name? Uh, yeah. Genevieve Genevieve O'Reilly yeah, Genevieve O'Reilly in this scene is so good it's, yeah. it's just really really good stuff here this could so easily be a kind of boring scene but the performance is once again in Andor just like <laughs> yeah I, the the way that the the fact that it's pitched as like hey we're gonna betroth our thirteen year old children <laughs> yeah. as payment you're like this ain't your mom and pa's Star Wars like this is <laughs> this is Game of Thrones era Star yeah. Wars now I think I heard right. Tony Gilroy was he was on another podcast I was listening to him and he's like I think he had to get approval for that once they like pitched the <laughs> idea where he's like it's a great idea. I think we're gonna have to ask Disney if we could do that, and like <laughs> yeah. they got the go ahead to, to like to have that be in the scene, but t- I don't know, just master strokes in this episode with with I can't swim with I don't want payment. I would like your daughter to meet my son, and then for me the the end scene is gonna be my my highlight, which is you know what what have you sacrificed our our plant Lonnie uh, of the IS, ISB uh, <laughs> who has the solution. worst gig in the entire universe. <laughs> oh, poor and Lonnie. Zero sympathy for yeah. it. It's amazing. Lonnie, I think about you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think about you when I go to sleep, Lonnie. Lonnie, <laughs> I dream of your mustache. It's just the ego Lonnie, of that character that that's supposed to be a reward. <laughs> yeah, you it's know, like, that oh. that's... <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm also being crushed by the Empire working for the Rebellion every day. But that you think of me uh, is wonderful. <laughs> True cult um, leader. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Luthen going into his speech, like, the pro- again, I can hark on performance all the time, but like... Getting Mr. Skarsgård to give a line like "I burn my life for a sunset I'll ne- or for a sunrise I'll never see," I'm like, that kind of dialogue doesn't show up basically anywhere. And he delivers <laughs> it, and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into everything that he's saying. Like, I have to use the tools of my en- enemy to fight them. 
you're like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess you have sacrificed some, because um, because Lonnie legitimately is I in probably the worst position. Yeah, and I think he has every right to ask Luthen that question, and then you're kind of like, yeah, Lonnie's in a tough spot. He's got a family. He's got kids. Like, who's Luthen to tell him what he's supposed to do? And yeah. then Luthen's like. Do you realize what I've been doing for the last 15 years? And you're like, okay, all right, fine. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay, sure. You've given up some stuff. Um, right. But it seems like he he has been, it feels like Luthen has been ready to share that information too, where it's like, you, you want to talk about what I've sacrificed. This is one of the only people I can tell this to, because I know what you're sacrificing. And if you're going to question me, I'll tell you exactly what it is. And the writing on that and the performance, I'm just like, okay. I'm, I was like blown away by it blown away yeah his whole monologue was was great and even talking about like the anto krieger stuff where it's like well we can't do anything about it because we know like if we if we try to interfere then the empire will know that we have a mole and we know stuff so it's like we just have to let him die basically like he's got to make those tough choices that's like maybe not everyone agrees with him because he's just sacrificing lives over here for the greater cause. We're going to lose 50 men to keep you a spy, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, you you are more valuable to me than 50 men. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the math, like, that's the calculus that I've done, and and these are the reasons why. Like, I I can't just, I can't just let you go, Lonnie, because I think about you all the time. But also... (laughs) I have a little Bluetooth for you. (laughs) Yeah, you got your little Beats, your little Beats headphone in there, like... I don't know. I just Stellan Skarsgård was brilliant, and he he just comes in and like crushes these scenes that he's in. Like there are episodes where he's barely in them, and then he'll come in and do this. I'm just like, what the hell is this guy? Just like comes yeah. off the bench and like scores forty points. You like and he's amazing. In one of the the coolest looking that that walkway with the the lights in the background, just like again the production design through yeah. all of this is just immaculate. It's yep. amazing. Oh yeah, um, got our nice Coruscant elevator um, going way down, uh, which is very cool. Um, good to see that. Yeah, what an ending! What an ending. Luthen most mad that he won't ever get accolades. So yeah, he needs the heroes, but he's not really impressed that you're one, that you are heroes. He's never gonna right. get a pat on the back. Yeah, uh, terrifying. <laughs> so w- w- where do you think we're going from here? Uh, I think we're obviously going back to Ferrix. I think Marva is in some serious danger of becoming character motivation for Andor. Andor, yeah. who says in Rogue One. Everything I've done, I've done for the rebellion. So far, he hasn't done shit for the rebellion. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know about that. We got to yeah. see what inspires him to go whole hog and um, and read that manifesto and get going on the. On I the mean, rebellion. they're they're clearly still laying the seeds on Ferrix. I mean, you, um, what's uh, Cinta? Is that yeah. that's Vel's Vel's lover? Uh, is yeah. still there. There wasn't much of Ferrix in in uh, One Way Out in the last episode, but yeah. you do get a shot of it's one of the ISB agents like undercover seeing Senta. Yeah. So like it, things are clearly like brewing on Ferrix, and the fact that Marva's health is uh, seeming seemingly rapidly decaying um, seems like something really bad is going to happen there uh, because she's yeah. she's like the last card that. Uh, Dedra's Deidre, whatever, has been holding on to. It's like, I don't need her yet, but I've got her. And now that her health is going out, like, it's prime for, like, old lady on the verge of death. Something awful is going to happen to her that is going to stoke something in, in Cassian to be like, we're going to burn this shit down. We're going right. to use well, that, definitely, that uh... laser beam out the side of the ships we've, been, <laughs> we've seen yeah, in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, Marva is not in Rogue One, so that should tell you something right there. <laughs> right? I, I think there's a chance that we could get a special edition of Rogue One with some Marva scenes inserted. I think it's... It Probably somewhere in yeah. Jetta City. We'll just see Marva <laughs> popped in the background. Uh, I, I'm definitely interested to see uh, wh- how Bix ties in, too, yeah. to the whole Ferrix thing, too. Uh, I just want Brasso... Uh, if one of the episodes is just Brasso the entire time, <laughs> I would I'm, love the Brasso that. show, man. I he I just love when he pops up. Um, I will say I'm looking at my Cassian Andor poster. It does feature X wings. Now, yeah, mm. are we going to get Saw Gerrera's air support as part of something that is going to lead into a bigger 
season two arc. I sure Hopefully. hope so. I love yeah. seeing those those black and white X wings. Give me some of those partisan forces coming in doing some damage. Yeah. If we don't have X wings in the season and they're on your poster, I mean, I have to call Tony. Um, and I'm gonna have one complaint with this series. I'm gonna say Tony, sure. who who put out these Andor posters at the IMAX re-release of Rogue One <laughs> because. I need names on a desk now because something is wrong here, friend. <laughs> Wildly misleading. I yeah, I, I'm looking forward to these last two episodes. I watched uh, a, an interview of the the woman who plays Senta saying that she read the last episode and that it's you know it's a masterwork of of television. Oh man, um, so. Rit- yeah, I can't wait. Written by Tony Gilroy um, himself. Hell yeah! And these three episodes were all. I don't know if you guys talked about this, written by Bo Willimon, who, if you're not familiar, he he was the showrunner for House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, he kind of created or developed that show from the, the UK original. But uh, so he definitely knows how to write that political intrigue pretty well. Yeah, man. That's uh, it's such a delight uh, to see. Again, a, a more adult version of Star Wars with some we've now had we've had three episodes here that I, I guess we got our share of laser fire um in the last episode but yeah yeah th- those first two i don't think we had a single laser blast um could be wrong there might have been one in there somewhere but i didn't need it Mm-mm. not when you have an electrifying floor <laughs> nope. yeah, yeah. and zap sticks and andy circus's yeah. face yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, one other thing I wanted to say: Did you guys? Did we mention that the Vel reveal of being Mon Mothma's yeah. cousin? Yeah, that was interesting. that was pretty crazy. Yeah, too. because we were wondering, like, where is she most at home? Is she most at home in Coruscant or out on the range? Um, well, we right. know we want we want her to act like a rich girl again. Just don't forget you're a rich girl for a while. And like we can we can yeah. breeze it. Like I don't know. We, there's so much more detail that we could go into, obviously. But the oh, the yeah. fact that even her seeing like that the dinner party there. That there's like microaggressions that are occurring yeah. from from Mon's husband of like, oh, you've got to find a, a husband. You know, aren't you a little too old at this point? You're just like, oh my, like and that you can sort see of how like much Mon small Mon layering loves. into into her character. You're just like, all right, that's a, a a rich tapestry that's being weaved. That you don't you don't have to put that much attention into this sort of stuff. Yeah, but they do. Like it it makes the those small backhanded things. Ten times more powerful, knowing that she's got a relationship with someone else. She's got to live a closeted life within the Star Wars universe, and that she's still catching shit from a, a total asshole at dinner. And it's just like I don't know. It's it's a it's a couple lines, but the depth and the volume of what those couple lines do for character development is like, all right, that's really good writing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, we're learning so much about Chandril and culture with their range. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew, you know. And yeah. I, I will say, I thought Mon Mothma did the personal, um, you know, decorating in the space. Turns out that is embassy. It's you can't mess with that. Yeah. So it's a little wh- whoever. Old. It is all old world. It's it's Star Wars Art Deco, which is turns out is one of my favorite design styles. So um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm a sucker for. But uh, yeah, not Mon Mothma's personal style. I hmm. I do want to shout out the trench coat. Uh, worn in the ISB room by what's his face? Uh, he just comes in in a regular like terrestrial trench coat, and I sure. I loved it. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean the most the most human Star Wars has been, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that's it, it's been part of the mission of the show. But as much as you can humanize something that. Uh, and make relatable something that is from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the more impact it's going to have on us as an audience. I mean, there are very real and disturbing parallels that we can draw to our lives based on this Star Wars space opera show. And it's, it's very purposefully like going for that in this, which I appreciate. And I think has been like sorely missing from Star Wars. This is giving, given me and has, you know, everything that i've wanted out of one of my favorite like pieces of intellectual property that exists in the world is like this is how a story that you love and a universe that you love can relate to your life right now and it can be horrifying but the the artistry the craftsmanship behind it is so 
so highly executed and so beautiful. I'm just thankful that this exists. And, you know, you're talking at the top, like, Andor. Wait, wait, wait who needs the, the Cassian Andor, the guy from Rogue One? Like, right. when, I think when, Adam, when you and I first talked about what was coming out in Star Wars, like, oh, Andor, okay, that's kind of interesting, I guess, whatever. But it wasn't like, we're like, there's Boba Fett, there's Obi-Wan, there's going to be yeah. an acolyte show about the Sith. Like, Andor was at the bottom of the list of, like, all of the Disney Plus stuff that was coming out. Oh, and yeah. now, I can't imagine anything else being higher than this. And I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. They're like, Dave Filoni's doing an Ahsoka show. I'm like, good luck. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to beat this. Yeah. 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 Beautifully said, VC. Um, I'm right there with you. It's going to be hard to top this. I'm looking forward to these last two episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I think, think they're going to be... I, I don't know. I'm going to try to celebrate that last episode in full somehow um because like you're saying i think it's some of the best star wars we may ever get um yeah totally but any, any and i think so sorry jacob uh oh let me yeah interrupt you to ask any mm-hmm. final thoughts jacob <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh just one you know i just think that the world building like you're talking about a little bit the world building it just feels so lived in like star wars has never felt this real and this lived in to me as a universe where i believe these people are like real and existing and just their you know the writing is just so good um i'm excited to see where it goes uh with these last two episodes for sure well, Jacob, I know you've convinced at least one of your pals on Normies Like Us to to finally That's go right. down the Andor path. We're out here preaching about Andor. Yeah. Um, but Do you start to feel like it's, people it's... are catching on? Like, I feel like this show has started to heat up more as, it, as it's gone along. I think so. I think so, because... I've been trying, you know, my two co-hosts, Colin and Mike, I've been, they've been kind of, they, after Obi-Wan and Boba Fett, they were like, we're so disappointed with the state of like <laughs> yeah. Disney plus Star Wars right now. We just need to take a break. Yep. I'm like, look, this Andor show, I kind of just pestered them every week. I'm like, this show is so good. Like, it's just getting better and better. You got to watch this show. Finally convinced, I think, Mike to, to, to watch it. And now he's caught up. But it's like every, anyone who watches it, I've, I haven't met a person that's like given it a try and hasn't liked it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, you just got to take the leap. And I think it starts a little slow, but by episode three, I was just hooked. And I think if you can get to episode three, uh, you're going to be hooked. And it's just a shame because I think it has like the lowest viewership numbers of any Star Wars show so far, because it doesn't have the draw of a Boba Fett or an Obi-Wan character or the Mandalorian, which became so popular too. It's like, this is like the most well-written Star Wars, but the least watched right now. And I just think more people need to take the leap yeah I'm, I'm hoping it's a slow burn where the word of mouth because i think you're right once you get someone into the first three episodes like you can get them past one and two which can be a little slow into the third episode you're like okay i see what's happening here and then you're like wait no wait go to the next three and watch those as a movie i think this is going to yeah. benefit from from people who had any hesitation of like they're all out watch three at a time they're yeah. made that way sit down and watch it like a movie and then right. you're going to want to watch the next three like immediately because they leave you wanting more and they get better, which is fascinating. Totally. Well, I'll tell you this. You may have to watch all three of those first episodes to get hooked on Andor, but you only got to listen to one episode of Normies Like Us, baby, to get hooked on Normies Like Us. Jacob, one of my favorite podcasts. You guys cover it all. There are Star Wars episodes for, I think, every movie in the in the, the Nineology out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are episodes about shows. Um, recently, you've been on a quest uh, that I've been enjoying. Having not watched almost any of these movies myself, I'm still listening to your episodes about all of the Star Trek movies. You, you are on quite the journey. Uh, you just finished yeah. the, the Shatner era not too long ago movies. Um, so, yeah. T- That's right. Tell us a little bit about the pod and where people can listen to it. Yeah, Normies Like Us, we just talk about... All different pop culture stuff, like anything that's interesting to us, like we do kind of current stuff like uh, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones type stuff. And, uh, you know, we did Rings of Power, anything that's on now that's like nerd stuff that we like, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, all that stuff. And we also cover like older stuff, too. So like our ongoing Star Trek series, we do one, uh, you know, one a month uh, for each Star Trek movie. And so we're going to see how long that takes, probably like a year and a half to cover them all. But um i've been enjoying that a lot and uh 
yeah. So if you want to check us out, we're on, you know, we're, we're on pod, you know, wherever you get your podcast, we're probably there. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. If you want the video version, uh, check us out. Normies like us. Uh, and we'd appreciate your viewership. Yeah. Links in this episode description as well. I mean, personally, we at the Cargo Bear are hoping for that big normies like us uh, bump with the, uh, yeah. the appearance here. So fingers crossed. Hopefully, I can provide that yeah. for you. Yeah, we'll we'll get each we'll get reciprocal bumps. Um, you know, we'll send yeah, over our, totally. our massive horde of listeners your way. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. VC, anything else uh, you want to say before we get out of here? I just want everyone to go snoke themselves. Yeah, go snoke yourselves, y'all. J- Jacob, thank you so much for being here. Uh, PBDO. Yeah, close close up this cargo bay, would you? Emo. All right, bye forever, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye.